Good morning, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Wisdom Worth Knowing live stream podcast. I'm your host, Craig Chamberlain. It is Saturday, February 19th, 6 a.m. If you're tuning in for the first time, thank you for joining us. You can actually subscribe now on Spotify, on uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Rumble, and Facebook. The uh, YouTube, Rumble, and Facebook actually uh, handle the live stream portion of the show, which is actually video-based. But the, uh, the show should translate properly straight into audio, so you shouldn't miss a whole lot other than seeing my mug on the, <laughs> on the screen. Not sure there's a lot missed there. But, but if you uh, are tuning into the show on the audio format, we do have a discussion time at the end of the show. Today's topic is don't let the ugliness in others kill the beauty in you. As always, the community picks the topic every day based upon the feedback I get on the post on Facebook. So if you're interested in helping with the topic selection, make sure you follow us on Facebook. Follow the show. We are brought to you by, at the moment, Amazon Audible, where listening is the new reading. Visit audible.wisdomworthknowing.org and get a free 30-day trial for a limited time. And you get your first audiobook completely free. If you don't like it, you can cancel anytime. It'll help out the show. Check them out. Audible.wisdomworthknowing.org So don't let the ugliness in others kill the beauty in you. This is super relevant by today's standards, I think. Um, and like I said, I, I really like the topics you guys always pick because it, it gives me some time to kind of reflect on and really kind of think about the effects the impact we have on each other, this one in particular is significant because it does focus on others. And I think a lot of us do fall into a trap when it comes to dealing with other people, with other humans. Um, being a human being is not without its drawbacks because we aren't perfect. <laughs> None of us are. We, we're all very, very imperfect people. And obviously... Every single one of us can sit back and say, "Where? what's the ugliness in me? You know, it's really easy to in instantly see this quote and say, don't let the ugliness in others. And then you instantly think of, of specific people who are ugly to you. And then we start to think that they're the problem. Um, but I encourage people who are listening to today's podcast to stop for a moment and ask yourself, what, what, what ugly part of yourself may be impacting others? Might be a sobering thing to reflect on, because it 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 does allude to the the don't let ugliness in others destroy the or kill the beauty in you. It does allude to that uh, the act the actions of other people do impact us, whether we like it or not, because we are social creatures. I I do know that. I do know, we, I don't know if we just get into a denial about this, and I do know, I still do it. We like to think we can handle more than we can actually handle. So we have a tendency to absorb a lot of negative negativity because we think that that negativity does not impact us at all. And I think in a lot of ways the last few years from a media standpoint, I don't think this is this is going to change anytime soon as 
I think we've kind of learned that if people saturate themselves too much in negative thinking or ugly thinking, it will impact their the general perspective of people. There's a lot of talk about echo chambers now, and echo chamber is basically when you 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 put yourself in a situation where you're only hearing you're only getting feedback from the same group of people who always agree with you or the same environment that always agrees with you and this is something that's very easy to do with the internet and and I'm guilty of it myself you actually have to be intentional not to create an echo chamber chamber um so you actually have to go out of your way especially with the modern internet and I'll talk about that in a little bit. You actually have to go out of your way to not have a negative feedback loop that only reaffirms what you already know or already agrees with what you already know. We we aren't very good because the natural inclination, we aren't very good at making sure that we are getting feedback that challenges our perspective regularly. And this isn't, the internet used to be a different place. I I was formally trained and I grew up in information technology. So you will hear me talk about technology and dealing with it on a a day-to-day basis. And I think this topic of don't let the ugliness in others is incredibly relevant to our social media culture. It's how we interact with each other now. And so if, if we start to understand how the social networks work, from an algorithmic point of view, and for those of you who don't know a lot about technology, an algorithm is basically a formula. It's like a, it's like a mathematical formula or a, or a, a pattern that, that, well, algorithm basically is a solution to a problem, all right? It's like a written solution to a problem. And the, the problem for a company like Facebook that they're trying to solve is keeping you on the platform. Same thing with things like Twitter and pretty much all the social networks is like their goal is to get you to consume their product as much as possible. And so ultimately their goal is not to necessarily look out what's for best for you. It's to find out what you like to do on the platform and then keep feeding you that so that you don't leave the platform. That's the goal. The goal is not to inform you. The goal is not to educate you. The goal is not to better you. Right. That's not the company's end goal, because at the end of the day, they make money based upon advertising and they can't show you an ad if you're not there. And so their number one priority is to keep you there. In a lot of ways, or obviously that's changed somewhat in the past because they become very all the networks have become very politically energized. But of course, that's a contradiction to what their purpose is and now they're they're struggling to keep user base but that's a whole different topic but the the fundamentally they will get back to the reality that they have to keep you there <laughs> they want you they want you to use it as much as possible well part of the problem with having an algorithm or a formula based upon the ultimate objective being to to keep people comfortable is that comfort zones don't make you grow. And I, I like to talk about this this quote from that David Goggins. He's a, a Navy SEAL, became Ultraman, now a, a podcaster and a, and a writer. He says, you know, a comfort zone is a wonderful place to visit, but nothing grows there. 
And part of the reason is, is when you're in a comfort zone or when you're in your echo chamber or when you're constantly reaffirmed that what you believe is always true, it feels good. Especially from a social perspective when everybody who other humans are constantly reaffirming what you already believe to be true. But the, the downside is you don't really ever grow. You know, you're never challenged. And that's incredibly unhealthy. And so these algorithms over time is what they do is they learn based upon you clicking the like button, based on you clicking the share button, based, based upon your comments. They learn what your your preferences are in terms of opinion. And then in order to keep you on the network, they just continue to feed it. You will notice this, actually. This is especially obvious on, on a network like Facebook, is, is if you like an ad, specifically an advertisement, for the next three days, you will be hammered with that advertisement or similar advertisements like it um, until you stop looking at it. Because they even know when you're looking at it. You don't even have to like something now for them to know you like it. You know how the videos autoplay when you're scrolling through your Facebook feed or your or your Twitter feed? It, it autoplays the video. If you stop and watch it for 30 seconds, they know you stopped and watched it for 30 seconds, whether you click on it or click the like button or not. And they're like, ooh, he watched this for 30 seconds. Maybe he'll like this. Um, same thing for just general posts. They know if you're looking at a post for longer than other posts. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to determine what kind of person you are, profile you essentially, and then they try to, to feed you content based on that profiling. Two problems with this. The first problem is it makes the internet really boring because novelty is one of the great things about the internet. It's just all the fun, unique things you can discover that are not like the things that you like. So in other words, coming across things that are outside of your already preferred preferences that kind of shock you. That's one of the great things about the internet I grew up with was that you never really knew what you were going to get. And so this kind of um, spoon fed thing, even though it makes you more comfortable, it, it does make it less fun. And so that's the first problem. You know, the secondary problem with this type of thing is that it does disconnect you from people who would normally challenge you. So it disconnects you from posts and content and writers and things that, that really kind of get you out of your comfort zone and, and uh, allow you to grow. And so I know that was kind of a long-winded way to get around back to this quote where don't let the ugliness in others kill the beauty in you is, but don't let the... When you are on the internet or when you're engaging with people... We all have the capability of being ugly and saying ugly things and doing other things. If we don't acknowledge that, first of all, we have the capability of being the ugly person in this scenario, it's going to be very difficult to forgive people for being ugly. A lot of the times when people are being ugly, they're going through a stage of life of, of deep unhappiness. And that ugliness kind of stems from that. And we need to use that really, really uncomfortable word, grace. We need to give people grace so that we, we grace is basically allowing people to make mistakes, be themselves, be flawed, and love them anyway. But it doesn't necessarily mean we need to absorb everything that they're saying or doing. 
um, and and you'll hear me say this probably a lot of times on this show because I do think we genuinely struggle with this as a culture. Is we we assume that in order to love people, we have to always agree with them, and that is just not how love works. We have a fundamental misunderstanding of that word. We believe love is a feeling, and love is a feeling, but it's not it's not just that. A great book on this subject is um, "Keep Your Love On" by Danny Silk. The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis. Boundaries. Can't remember the gentleman who wrote that one. I think it's Henry Henry Cloud. I want to say. Boundaries. Um, crucial accountability. I didn't really understand the deeper part of love until I had to love people better, until I was dealing with the ugliness in people. If you if you are the kind of person who who completely cuts people off the minute they start to be ugly, I would question whether you have any deep relationships. That's something to reflect on. Because the more time you spend with any individual, the more the greater the opportunity you will experience that side of them. And this is very true for for close relationships as well. Um, romantic relationships and friendships, of course. But there's going to be a level of ugliness that comes up at some point, you know, and then, then we have to reconcile that ugliness. I knew that if I do know if you look at the statistics of marriage, for example, the first seven years are the most difficult. And I can attest to this. I've been married for 15 years. So the first seven years are the most difficult. And I think it's because of this this quote that we're looking at. It's the ugliness that starts to come out. You know, when you first marry and date somebody. You, you put on your best front, and I think that's okay. I think that's just good manners. And I don't think that's lying. I know a lot of people say that's lying. Um, you hide your crazy. I don't think that's lying because I think in a sense what you're trying to do is you're, you are trying to be, a be, be the best reflection or the best version of yourself so that, so that the other person does see deep down what you want to be. You know what I mean? Because I think I think deep down we really all want to be the best version of ourselves. We just can't. We know because of our fallen nature and our and our imperfections and our just the, us being human. I don't think that there's anything wrong with trying to be the best version of yourself. I don't think that's lying. I think that's courageous. You know, it's it's easy to be the ugly person. That's the default condition for all of us. So putting effort into being the better version of ourselves. I don't think that's a lie. I don't think that's being fake. I mean, that of course there's a risk to that. If you don't if you are lying in the process, like actually literally physically lying in the process of trying to be that better version of yourself, that that's not good. Because you do need to be honest too at the same time. And that's a tough balance. You know, it's tough to be genuine. I guess that's probably the best word for this. It's tough to be genuine and the best version of yourself. That's a very difficult mixture to to make work. It's like it's like oil and water in a lot of ways where you'll mix it together and it'll they'll just separate. <laughs> but it is it is tough to be that best version of ourselves and to be genuine with people. But we have the tendency to absorb ugliness. Like even if it's something as simple as is when you see a Facebook page post or if you're just interacting with somebody 
at a checkout um, at the store or if you're driving through the fast food restaurant, we I think we absorb, and I don't want to get too... I don't want to get too metaphysical on this. I think we absorb people's emotions. If you're like me, you are one of those HSPs or highly sensitive people. It's actually a thing. Another word for it's an empath. Where you can just be in a room and you can absorb people's emotions. You can even, even absorb passive things happening. We, If we're not careful about realizing that we have a tendency to absorb those emotions. I think we all do do it to varying degrees. Um, we can e- easily let that ugliness crush us, crush our spirits. And I think the number one risk we need to avoid when dealing with people is the the desire to change them. Because Remember, we have the capability of being ugly. And if we don't have this skill of grace, which is just looking past the ugliness, I think other people will not only drain us, but we will lose the ability to love them well, and we will we will let them suck us dry. So I think grace is is not just like an act, a virtuous act, like giving people grace when they're, when they're in bad places. But I also think it's, it's like almost like a, a survival tool for preventing us from letting that ugliness in others kill the beauty in us. You know, being able to say something like, you know what, I think that person's just having a bad day. And then just not taking it personally, not absorbing that, that energy, that ugliness. You know, and just being being there for them anyway, being a voice to hear the ugliness and, and not trying to change them. Let let that run its course. Now, there are exceptions to this rule, of course. There's extreme ugliness, right? Like if you, if somebody's a, if there's an abusive situation or emotionally or physically abusive situation, you, you got to be able to set boundaries as well. I think that's why books help with this. This is why I mentioned the the keep your love on and boundaries. Um we don't we don't need to voluntarily keep ourselves in toxic and unhealthy relationships without setting healthy boundaries to to protect ourselves and to protect that person from abusing you um and those boundaries can be something as simple as saying just saying no or it could be something as sim- as complex as a separation until until a healthier relationship can be cultivated but um I'm not a I'm not a clinical psychologist or therapist, so the people who write those books do have a, a much better tact or a better way of of kind of explaining how you can you can cultivate that type of relationship with people in which you can you can have grace for the ugliness, but you can still have a loving relationship with them. One of the most powerful tools I've learned is is the ability to set boundaries and say no and be honest. Those are the three big tools. And and you'll hear me say this probably a lot too, like a broken record. I do appreciate one of the deepest, most impactful books for me was 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. There is a chapter on there about always telling the truth. But it telling the truth is a skill. 
it's not something that you get good at overnight. And it's also dangerous because it, it is, it does inflict wounds and we need to be aware of that honesty. And so learning tact, learning tact on top of being truthful is very, very, very difficult to do. Very difficult to do. So we are going to move into discussion time. I am following the chat on Facebook and YouTube. So go ahead and leave your comments. Looks like we got a some good amount of comments here today. And before we move into those, let me tell you about Audible. If you're like me and you love reading or even the idea of reading, but don't have the time because you have a partner, kids, full-time job, or just time-consuming hobbies, then I have good news for you. Audible is, sorry, with Audible, listening is the new reading. Now you can pop in your earbuds and play that next exciting adventure or expand your knowledge right from your Android or Apple device. And now for a limited time, you can get your first audiobook completely free. Just visit audible.wisdomworthknowing.org right now and take advantage of a free 30-day trial, more than enough time to finish that first book. If you're dissatisfied for any reason, you can cancel any time. That's audible.wisdomworthknowing.org. Love me some Audible. All right, let's move on to the chat. Let's see what we have here. Bradley, welcome back. Bradley, um, he says, not at all perfect. Yeah, none of us are perfect. I would argue that the the people who are easiest to have the conversations with are the ones who are the most self-aware of their imperfections. Um, because that's a topic you can never run out of things to converse about um <laughs> we can we can talk about our personal flaws like until the end of end of time with other people things we struggle with things we deal with that there's no depth there's no end to the depth of our imperfections so if you have a friend or a family member in which you can talk about your flaws with each other and i don't mean just sit around and throw a pity party i mean just like literally discuss the things that you are wrestling through, there's no end to the dynamic and complexity of the conversation. So it's very hard to have a fun conversation with somebody who considers themselves perfect. <laughs> it just, what are you going to talk about? How great they are? You know? So that that doesn't, it's not conducive to a, a, a fun and dynamic conversation. So it yeah, I'm. Uh, we're we're all imperfect. So the sooner we get to that threshold, the better. Randy Mills, he said a hundred percent. Thanks for coming back, Randy. Uh, Nina says I'm so tired of Facebook bullying people. You know, I do I do like that you pointed out that the network itself does have a is ten is trending towards this this bullying mentality. And I was actually thinking about that this morning. You know, when they fir- first started the speech policing, which is the whole 1984 Big Brother believing you can police the internet, which by the way is comic on every level. If you grew up with the internet like I did, it's I laugh. I I laugh out loud when I see just you know just watch these networks try to police people. It is so wildly entertaining to me. Because really only one of two things happen. If you've ever been in a friendship or relationship with somebody who tries to dictate the conversation, like like dictate what you are allowed to say and not allowed to say. Have you have have you seen how quickly that conversation just just spirals into just a non-conversation? You don't even have to do a lot of policing. 
Like you, if you're having a conversation with somebody and they just sit there and go, you know what? I'm not going to talk about that. I don't want to talk with you about that. Or you're, or even worse, if they say you're not allowed to talk about that. You've instantly changed the relationship dynamic. Like instantly. You have instantly transformed the entire dynamic of every conversation you have with that person. Or they have. And, and people respond in two ways. The first way is, you know what? Forget you. You know, the first way is, fine, I just won't have conversations with you anymore. That's the first gut visceral response. The second response is, okay, if somebody's polite. And guess what? They will just drift. They will just drift. You won't ever hear from them again. If you're the kind of person, and, and Facebook is quickly becoming this person, who tells people what they're allowed to say, people's behavior, is, it, it changes. The way they interact with, with your network changes. And it's not going to die with an explosion. It's going to die with a whimper. People will just find different, better ways to have that conversational outlet. That's just the natural tendency towards, towards people. And that's why three years ago when they first started this, I was like, you guys, this is ludicrous. This is not sustainable. Like you have, you have, you offer one service. That's the service of conversation. It's, it's, it's a platform in which people can have conversations. Now I get it. I get it. There are limitations to speech in, especially with things like pornography and abuse, right? And threats. Like there are limits, but you, you need to clearly define those limits. You can't suddenly and spontaneously just arbitrarily enforce speech limits. It's not something that works. It needs to be literally defined so that people can understand the rules in which conversations are allowed to take place. You can't just arbitrarily enforce rules. It changes the entire dynamic of, of how people are, people just won't deal with it. They're not going to sit around and contemplate how they can overcome the algorithms. Most normal people, they're just going to say, okay, fine, I just won't use it. Like, I have better things to do with my time. I have other places I can go. I can call my friends directly. If I'm not allowed to have a conversation here, I'll go somewhere where I'm allowed to have a conversation. That's just, that's what people are going to do. They're not going to deal with it. Bradley actually kind of uh, elaborates on that. He goes, me too. Facebook has changed the internet, I believe. I, I think they have. I think they've changed, in a lot of ways, our ability to have conversations in specific ways. But I don't think they've changed as much as they would like to think they have because I think all they've really done is changed their corner of the Internet. People are still having these conversations. They're just not using their platform to have them. And, it, and if anything, that's hurting Facebook more than anybody else because that's the, that's the one service they offer is having conversations. So when you've positioned yourself as a social network in which people can't be social... Tell me how that's a good long-term plan. That problem is going to fix itself. I mean, I think I think the last numbers that came out, their active user base dropped a huge chunk, and then their stock dropped like 30%. It's like, well, duh. You know, like, it, it, do the people in the boardroom even sit around and think about, like, hey, we offer one service, and that is to be a, a platform for social discussion. <laughs> but here's what we're going to do. We're going to design our algorithms so that people can be less social. And then, like, everybody in the boardroom sitting around going, brilliant. I like where your head's at. That'd be like a car dealership boardroom sitting around going, listen, this is what we do. We make cars. 
But we're going to spend the next year making sure people hate driving. <laughs> all, all of our advertising campaign, when somebody buys one of our cars, we're going to call them and we're going to tell them how they're allowed to drive it. I mean, how long are people going to buy cars off of those people? You know, before they're just like, you know what? I'll walk. I'll ride my bike. I'll buy a car from somebody else. I'll buy a used car. I'll bum a ride off a friend. People aren't going to tolerate it. And they're not going to, it's not going to, like I said, it's not going to end in an explosion. It's going to end in a whimper. It's just going to turn into a ghost town. And then in a year, they're going to wake up and they're, well, hope they probably won't wake up. People with these tendencies to to think they can police other people and control other people, they generally don't learn. Generally, unless they have a lot of self-awareness, they do not learn from that mistake. They generally continue to squeeze. Tyrants in general have a tendency to trend towards more tyranny unless they, and I don't mean this just politically, just even relational tyrants. Because that's what they, people do what work, what they feel works, right? And if, if they think it works, then they're going to keep doing it until it becomes hopefully so obvious that it doesn't work that, that they learn from it. But guess what? You got to hit bottom. Everybody's got to hit bottom. Hopefully they do and they learn their lesson and they let us go back to just having conversations again. Because I think the Facebook I grew up with was so much more fun and dynamic and ironically diverse than it is now. You know, for for organizations that advocate so much for the diversity of opinions and thought or diversity in general, it's extremely amusing to watch them hammer down any kind of diverse opinions. It just it's so self-defeating and it's frustrating because I like the network. I think it's a great platform. I, I think it has a lot of potential. It's just disappointing. Bradley says he's having trouble in this area himself, the not letting ugliness of others. It, it, I think right now everybody's in high tensions too. It doesn't help. Everybody's stressed with work. Everything's getting more expensive. Things are getting generally more difficult. And it's easier to be uglier. It's harder to pull yourself together. It's harder. People are, a lot of good people are being squeezed, especially in the in the workforce and in their home lives, more is being expected of them with less reward. And so it's it's becoming more difficult not to 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 let the ugliness come out. And this is just true in my life, too. It is it's becoming incredibly difficult. So you're not alone, Bradley. I think everybody right now is really, really struggling with this. Michael says, how do I come back to watch this later? Good question. So we are on Spotify. Uh, we are on YouTube. We are on Facebook. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, um, Google Podcasts, and um, I think that I think that's all of them. <laughs> oh, Rumble. Rumble. Yeah, you can do Rumble as well. And uh, they instantly go live after the stream, so you don't have to watch it during the live. Good question. Nina says, do unto others is the best life theory. Yep. I remember growing up and at, at school, they had the golden rule. You know, on the board, treat others the way you want to be treated, which I found out later was actually something was was the when Christ gave the new commandments. You know, there were two commandments he gave. He said, um, 
love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And love, treat others the way you would want to be treated. And he literally said that those two commandments summed up all of the laws of the prophets. It's like, holy cow, like, if you only read two lines in the Bible, those are the only two you need to know, is basically what he said. And at the time, that actually made sense because not everybody had a Bible. You know, they didn't have access or, or they weren't literate. They didn't have the ability to read. So the context of that is actually extremely relevant. It's like, hey, man, if you don't, if you don't have an opportunity to read all of this, stuff, all the doctrine and all the history and all the, the word and all that, if you don't have that ability, let me sum it up for you in two sentences. You know, it's kind of, kind of what he did. And I think, I think really two, those two sentences do nail it down. I mean, the, the loving others, the way you love yourself. I mean, think about, sit down and think about how much you love yourself. And I don't mean just like ego wise. I mean, like how well you take care of yourself in most ways. Like you make sure you're fed, you make sure you are taken care of, you make sure your needs are met. Loving other people in that way is like a high calling and it's nearly impossible to do perfectly. You know, it is impossible to do perfectly. So if if we tried to spend every day doing those two commandments to the best of our ability, it, we would have a never-ending supply of work because there would always be areas in which we need to approve. So thanks for sharing that. That was a good one, Nina. Uh, Bradley says, I think I might be the same and absorb energy from others. Yeah, look into it. Um, look up to highly sensitive person. Look into empath. Read up on it. Um, that you won't be, you probably won't be able to change it, but being aware that you are the kind of person who absorbs emotions is, is very beneficial because you can, first of all, stop blaming other people for your moods. It's, it's just, it's kind of like, it's kind of like if, if you, somebody struggles with drinking, it's like, it's best to avoid bars. You know, like if you know you absorb emotions, sometimes it is best to to avoid certain environments. And I don't want to encourage isolation by any stretch of the imagination. But you don't even need to avoid certain social situations. But you can make sure that you are aware of walking into it that, hey, this is a situation in which it's going to be tough for me to maintain my emotional state. And it may be something I need to, after I'm there, separate myself for a little bit so I can process those emotions before reacting people with anxiety disorders and uh i think a lot of people with anxiety disorders do struggle with this empath thing without realizing they have it uh i didn't even realize i had it until later in my life so becky says good morning hi mom that's my mom thanks for joining me Nina says, God's grace is our forgiveness. Grace, man, couldn't do anything without it. We'd have to have it. Um, we have to have the knowledge that with our imperfections, we're loved anyway. I think that's essential in just functioning. Whether you're religious or not, like you have to know that that it's okay to be imperfect. You have to give yourself grace at the very least. The nice thing about Christianity is the God of the universe gives you grace. Like once you've accepted that forgiveness, you know, once you accepted what Christ did, you have, you have a blanket forgiveness. And, and that'll, that changes the relationship dynamic between you and God. It, it changes your motive. Your motive switches from fear and anxiety based motivation. You're no longer doing things because you're, you're afraid of being punished. 
you're doing them because you're grateful. You know, that like, wow, as messed up as I am, I'm forgiven. That's kind of a beautiful thing. Um, Bradley says, I know I'm far from perfect, trying very hard to become a better man in God's eyes. Hopefully we all are. It is a noble goal. Um, Becky says, humility and gratitude. If we can, if we could just get better at those two, humility and gratitude, we'd all be happier people. I do think humility and gratitude are like the cornerstone of actual happiness. Most of my happiness is rooted in really ridiculous expectations of how my life should be going rather than focusing on the things on all of the lucky and beautiful things I have. And I'm lucky to have Uh, most of my unhappiness stems from that. Like the more grateful I am and the more humility I have, the happier I am. That's almost always true. So if we have things that, that remind us of what we should be grateful for and give us some humility, hold on to those things. Nina says, I'm restricted for 100 years for posting truth. <laughs> I just don't get it. I just, <laughs> I do not get it. Like you have one job, you know, like I do not know why they insist on this nonsense. I mean, I guess I get the politics behind it and I get the, I get the tendency toward it and they're get, and they're getting pressured. I, I get all that, but it's like, If you're getting pressure from people to literally destroy the only service that you offer, it's like, well, then I might as well just not exist. Like, If you're getting a pressure from, a, like, if you're a car company, you're getting pressure from outside forces to stop selling cars. It's like, no, this is all I do. Like, this is my func- my core function. So just no. Set a boundary there, Facebook. Whoever's giving you pressure, say no. I'm not doing that. We we literally are, we have one job, and that is to allow people to have conversations. The only limits we're going to set on that are, are like those who, that can potentially lead to physical harm. You know, it's like, and then you have to be able to define that. And I get that, that's hard, but like you're a billion dollar company. I'm sure you can manage that. Clearly defining rules. Like, come on guys. Don't act like you can't define that. Um, and if they don't like your rules that you set, then they're just gonna have to go somewhere else. But the problem is, is you haven't clearly defined those rules and it, all you're doing is making a bunch of people, you're making everybody equally miserable. So Bradley says, remember AOL? Yeah. Yeah. America online. Those were, those were in some ways less complicated and better days. Chat rooms only. I remember playing the chat room games in which you would actually fight like in the game. Like you'd have like characters and stuff and they had the auto text thing and. Man, that was a lot of fun. I didn't realize like the creeper territory on that though, too. Like the anonymity that was behind AOL with the dial-up internet and everything. You had no way of knowing who the other person was, and but that was also kind of the charm. So uh, let's see here. A lot of comments today. This is cool. Yeah, dial-up modem days. Oh yeah, don't pick up the phone. I'm going to scroll through these because I don't want the show to go for too long. People are, here we go. People are mean and self-centered instead of kind and God-centered. I think we all are, you know, to a point. So I'm going to keep, I'm actually, I think, I think that's good. So you guys uh, keep, keep having those discussions in the chat if you want to. Um, And I appreciate all the feedback today. And no, nobody can forget MySpace. Somebody just mentioned MySpace. Oh, good old Tom. 
those were the better times of the internet. I'm telling you, that was a better. That was the 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 peak of social media in which you could you could organically get to know people. So, I want to thank everybody for stopping by. This has been a lot of fun. Um, I appreciate all the people who did the live chat, and I appreciate you tuning in. If you're tuning in on, uh, don't forget you can subscribe on Facebook, YouTube, and Rumble, and you can also follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. So. Thanks again for stopping by, and um, don't forget to swing by audible.wisdomworthknowing.org and grab your free 30-day trial. You can cancel any time in your first free audiobook. My name is Craig Chamberlain, and you are listening to the Wisdom Worth Knowing podcast. And until tomorrow's episode, remember, don't let the ugliness in others kill the beauty in you. So let's do our best today to be the best version of ourselves, because we can only compare ourselves to ourselves so let's be that best version, no matter, no matter what that might be. Have a great day.